You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, October 10th. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at Just Baseball. Go check out that website. Good stuff. Also, please um go check me out on Twitter. At Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, which is filled with a lot of memes and pop culture takes that aren't always right, but they're at least sometimes kind of fun, I think, and some thirst traps, too. And most importantly, though, check out Lockdown Padres at L-O underscore Padres on Twitter if you want more Padre-centric memes and thirst traps. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but no, seriously, guys, thank you for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Oh, man. Ah, <laughs> I mean, we're smoking on that New York Met Pets, New York Pets, New York. Yeah, you know what? The New York Pets. That's what we made them. Our pets. The New York Mets pack, everybody. Oh, man, it's a good one right now. We're recapping the series. This is actually now my second time recording this show because the first time I recorded through uh, it, it, it was it was lovely. It was lovely, but it turns out that the audio just decided to die. So hopefully it doesn't happen this time. But ladies and gentlemen, we got to recap the series. There was so much that happened this weekend. And look, I want to start off by saying it was awesome in the moment. The last game of the series ended up being essentially a blowout in a lot of ways. And the biggest reason for that was Mr. Joe Musgrove. Seven innings, only one hit. Only one walk. That probably shouldn't have been a walk. Starling Marte definitely went on that pitch. And 5Ks, and it should have been 6Ks because of Marte. No one runs. No one runs. The San Diego native. The San Diego uh, Superman. The San Diego Stallion. Java Joe. Cotton Eye Joe. Whatever you want to call him. Joe Musgrove came up big when this team and franchise needed it most, he was unhittable. He he really was. The curveball was working. All the off-speed stuff. Here was the thing. Heading into this game, it can be a tough lineup, the Mets. And they showed it, especially in the Saturday game, when they bounced back against Blake Snell, which we'll talk about later. And it was just working, though. The curve was just unstoppable. The slider was unstoppable. Just the amazing repertoire of pitches. And here's the thing. Musgrove had had. A pretty tough go of things at one point during the season. He was the ace of the team. He gets his big five-year, $100 million extension. And then he kind of fell off a little bit. He had a bunch of really poor starts after that extension. And at the end of the season, past last like two or so starts, he found it a little bit. I think that for the most part, we talked about that this on the show, is that he had a, a understandable you know, regression to the mean. But that did not mean that he was a bad pitcher. But it still had at least some questions of, all right, which muscle are we going to get? I'm pretty sure we're going to get a good one. But are we, like, 100% sure? No, because he had shown a little bit of falling off um, in that second half. But it's all good. You know why it's all good? Because they won, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, first let me just point out a couple things, a couple of the cliff notes of this game. Trent Grisham, yet again, comes up huge. He has a big series overall that we're definitely going to have to talk about. Uh, a whole bunch, man, two for two in this game. 
with a walk. He gets an RBI in this one as well. Um, just really, really great stuff. Also makes a really great running catch on a ball that frankly should have been a double by the Mets. Uh, but he makes the out there. That was great. You have an RBI from Juan Soto off of Edwin Diaz later in the game to give the Padres a very nice cushion, a six-run lead. And then you also have Austin Nola getting an RBI in this game. Uh, two RBIs in this game, actually. Really crazy stuff. Um, but we got to talk about the biggest story, which is the Joe Musgrove ears and substance scandal. And there are a lot of areas to talk to with this particular issue, right? Let's start with what exactly happened. If people are unfamiliar and just maybe they saw my cute face and whatnot and they thought, oh man, oh man, that thumbnail, he's got the glasses and the Padres hat and the gaming headset as his headset for listening and he's got the Ellie The Last of Us shirt. Oh my God, I gotta check on this. If you're one of those people, last night uh, the Padres at one point after Musgrove had been dealing around the fifth inning or so, Actually, sixth inning, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Buck Showalter, manager of the Mets, went out and basically asked and, and was kind of called for a substance check on Joe Musgrove. And what was interesting is throughout the game, his ears did look like they were glistening a bit. So I think that even I had been wondering a little bit where I was like, what the heck is going on here? What does this mean? Um, but it was not a big deal. But then the nerds start coming in. They say, well, his RPM was up. His miles per hour was up. But not necessarily a ton. And that's the big deal here. And, and a lot of people have talked about this, about like a one point, if I could just bring up a, a tweet that I saw from a Fangraphs writer that I saw, if I'm not mistaken. Musgrove's average four-seam fastball spin to velocity ratio was 27.5 RPM over miles per hour. His average tonight was 28.3. And this was from Devin Fink um, over four. What was it? I thought he worked at Fangraphs. Yeah, previously was at Fangraphs, Devin Fink. Good follow, by the way, on Twitter, if you're big into stat stuff. Uh, his average tonight was 28.3. I would argue that is pretty reasonable game-to-game -game variation, and I would agree the same thing. Here's the thing. This is a guy who, Joe Musgrove, this is a guy who, literally on the record before the series starts, talking about how, to paraphrase, he didn't feel great about, you know, his ring necessarily in Houston. Wanted to have one that felt a little bit more legitimate. We could save the Houston discourse for another time. I don't feel like getting into that. But bottom line is you think he would come out and do that and then cheat in a Game 3 elimination game in New York with the media on ESPN. You, come on. that Like, alone, that is just crazy. The idea that you would do that, right? Let's talk about that. Buck Showalter, though, I kind of understand it. And to now quote another tweet that came from Andrew McCutcheon, which I think was one that also made the broadcast and people started running with it as well. I think it was a good explanation. He says, here we go. I guarantee Musgrove has red hot on his ears. Pitchers use it as a mechanism to stay locked in during games. It burns like crazy, and I don't know why some guys think it helps them, but in no way is it, in quotes, sticky. Buck is smart, though, could be trying to just throw him off. And that's what I think that universal, not even conventional, but just what kind of most people, I think, are reacting to this is that that's what it was. And I thought, actually, when I first saw it was, that's a little weird. That's definitely not sticky stuff or pine tar or anything like that. That might, what is it, Vaseline and whatnot? And Vaseline, from the people I talk to, it just makes you a little bit warmer. It doesn't necessarily improve your stuff and make you better. It doesn't add to that. So a lot of people will say, well, forget the Devin Fink tweet, Javi. Forget the Vaseline thing. Well, his RPMs were up overall. 
It's like, yeah, it's called being on. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's this idea in baseball sometimes that, you know, nerd stat heads, they don't believe in momentum. They don't believe in clutch. They don't believe in things like that. And while I actually think that some of those arguments can hold weight, the idea of momentum and what it actually means and how it translates to games. And, hey, we saw in the MLB playoffs so far an extra extenuating thing. Home field advantage did not play a big factor. The only team that ended up advancing that home field advantage was the Cleveland Guardians. So it is true that sometimes I think that these feeling things aren't always backed up by the data. But it's also true that the data can't account for the fact that these are human beings. Musgrove was just on. You know, and that's just what happens. Joe Musgrove is a very good pitcher. He had a good season, even with the stumbles in the second half. And I think my biggest issue overall is not necessarily that uh, Buck Walter was like, hey, I want to, you know, check this for some gamesmanship. He wanted to throw him off. At one point in the game, Francisco Lindor fouled a ball off of himself. And then Buck went and, like, got the bat out of the way and got him a new bat or whatever the heck he did. And you saw the crowd was getting into it. And then Musgrove struck him out. But you saw, like, his attempts to just provide any sort of flair for a team that only managed one hit in an elimination game. All 100 win, one win team only managed one hit in this game off of Musgrove. That's how dominant he was. And also, that was the whole game, too, as Josh Hader and Robert Suarez were throwing gas as well to close out the game. My issue with this is the sport of baseball over many years, thanks to a wide assortment of issues, has had a lot of this asterisk, cheating, murky side to the game. You've even seen this past week. Uh, A lot of people, the big discourse in baseball was... You know, which is the real home run record, right? And that would take me about an hour to get through. But I will sum up by saying my take on these asterisks and what's a real record and what counts as she... Bottom line, guys, everything is a whole big mess in the sport of baseball. Its history is ugly. And that's not even counting if you don't want to put people in the Hall of Fame for their character issues. You know, like a Kurt Schilling of the world, right? And again, I'm not giving my opinion on that right now. We're talking about the Padres. We're partying on today's podcast. Come on, guys. But... It should be pointed out, you know, like this is a sport that didn't allow a whole race into the thing. So I don't want to hear about all this, this, these cheating things. I'm just kind of tired and bored by it personally. I I really am. I really am. And don't get me wrong. I get it. I get that players are still mad at the ashes and whatnot, but that's players and that's their prerogative. I think that my issue with this is given all of what I just said, Buck Showalter doing that on national TV really puts Musgrove in an unfair light, even if it was just... Buck Showalter trying to get an advantage. And I think Manny Machado, if you saw his reaction, clearly, you know, after he was under the tutelage of Buck Showalter once upon a time in his Baltimore Oriole days, Machado, that he knew, like, oh, yeah, y'all are trying some some nonsense right now. I see you. And it ended up not mattering, but I just don't like that now there's going to be some people who run with this. You're going to have your mad dog Russos, right? These Charlotte, overzealous jar- charlatans, really who go on first take, go on their big radio show, and they take whatever the spicy, controversial thing is, and they're going to run with it. And that's what Buck Showalter opened up Joe Musgrove to, a guy who has never had any evidence of doing stuff like that. And bottom line is he just pitched well. I already talked about the Vaseline stuff. Like, come on, guys, really? Really? Do we have to check Seth Lugo because his RPM was at 3,000 last night? He looked great for the Mets. Do we have to start checking him? Right? Do we have to start checking everybody? Sometimes guys are just on, and that's totally possible. And I don't like that there's going to be a whole lot of people. Seriously, if 
Honestly, though, if Chris Russo comes on, like, whatever show that dude is doing, I don't know why I pointed him out. I mean, he says the Mets were robbed because Musgrove cheated, like, give me credit because I called that one. But you know there's going to be people like that. You can find people on Mets Twitter that are going to be like that. And that's really unfair. And they even check him. They don't find anything. What is the motivation for the umpires to, like, keep him in the game? You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of absurd to, to run with that. And I think it was unfair. And I think that we might even see, potentially see, if maybe MLB will look into this idea of managers who just kind of try and stall the game by calling for a substance check or whatnot. If you, if anybody remembers last year, or maybe two years ago, I think, when the substance check was, cert- I think it was last year against Max Scherzer, it was Joe Girardi who kept asking Max Scherzer to be checked. And it was obviously an attempt to kind of throw him off and even Scherzer famously then just unbuckled his pants and was like up in arms and losing his mind, right? So that's totally possible too. But for now, I don't give a damn because the Padres went out, they hit their RBIs and they're moving on. I love your tears, all these Mets fans that think Joe Musgrove cheated. But ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to keeping you safe, we got to talk about this, all right? We got to talk about safety. Right? Because even when the Padres were up, I don't know about you guys, still nervous. This is still a cursed franchise in a lot of ways, you know what I mean? And I want to feel safe. Well, speaking of safe, ladies and gentlemen, numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn that trust of that many people without doing something right. And at Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my own house, man. The Casa de Reyes. It's got to be safe, man. You got to do that. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. And here's why I love it. Look, it, incoming ultimate cliche alert, but it just gives you a peace of mind. And it's funny because actually, when I was a kid, I used to be like mortified and always like my, my mom would say this, that I'd say, mom, there's robbers on the roof. I just had this fear of people like burglaring our house or worse, right? Like to be honest with you, that's the least bad thing that could happen when someone invades your home. And that scared me. A lot of that was probably due to the movie Signs directed by M. Night Shyamalan starring Joaquin Phoenix and and Mel Gibson. There's a certain scene through people who have seen that movie with an alien potentially on, spoiler alert, on the roof. And I think that's where I got that fear from as a child. But look, bottom line is I would have loved to have Simply Safe as a kid. You know what I mean? Make yourself feel safer. And what I love truly about it is aside from this, the overall effectiveness and whatnot, is just knowing that you've got these professionals monitoring and whatnot. I really just kind of appreciate that. You know, with 24-7 professional monitoring, even if you're not home or can't be reached, they got you covered with first dispatch and first responders in case of an emergency. It feels great. It blankets your home in protection. And because you're listening to this podcast, guys, got a little bit of a deal for you. All right. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. Save 20%. On your Simply Safe security system, when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free, guys, remember visit simplysafe.com/lockedonmlb to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Yeah, that was weird. All right, guys, let's continue. That's a nice juicy pack. Let me tell you. If you guys can't tell, I don't smoke. Um. <laughs> 
<laughs> not, I don't know how to smoke a pack. But uh, anyway, we're, we're still smoking on that New York Pets, Mets pack. Pets, Pets pack, ladies and gentlemen. Let's keep going. A little bit more on the Musgrove thing. Uh, again, I, I really, really hate that what could potentially come out of this. But bottom line is, with the Mets, let's talk about this from the Mets side for a second. This is a team that I talked with Ryan Finkelstein, who is the host of the Locked on Mets podcast, good buddy of mine. We also write for the same site, Just Baseball. We talked about this on Friday's episode, where I personally do not like this narrative that the Mets collapsed, right? Because if you're a Padres fan, especially last year, you know what an actual collapse looks like. A team that won 101 games, 101 games, went 43 and 27 or so in the second half, and oh well, they lost to the Marlins. Yeah, but overall they still went 13 and six against them. I don't get the idea of how that's a collapse. Bottom line is you won a lot of games, and it's okay. This is where that New York media nonsense comes in, right? And I know this is someone who lives on the East Coast, where it's New York teams. It's never the other team was better. It's always we messed up and we screwed up. It's only ever us. That's how New York media tends to attack things. My greatest example of this, just to give a little bit of a football analogy, years ago, New York media flipped out because Odell Beckham Jr. posted a picture of him and some others, God forbid, on a little cruise thing or whatever when it was like the day before the playoff game. And then they lost to the lowly Green Bay Packers. Even more prime, Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau. And then the only thing people could talk about was, oh, well, Beckham blew it and the Giants should be shit. It's like, no, you actually just lost to a great team. That's how New York media is, though. It's never someone else being great. It's that we're exceptional. And the only reason you peasants can ever get anything is because we messed up. And that's just not true, obviously. In this case, it was the Braves. The Braves were just an incredible team this year. They won like 28 games every month or some crazy number like that. Like they had an unbelievable season. So that's not just on the Mets. Yes, I know they blew it a little bit in that series. Uh, last weekend, but that doesn't shout collapse. So with all that being said, this is such an impressive win for the Padres, a team that went all in. Went all in. Obviously, they they traded for Juan Soto. They traded for Bell. They traded for Drury. They traded for Josh Hader, right? They make all these moves, and you're thinking, man, it would be really disappointing if even to a great Mets team that they get bounced in the wild card, and you're like, you know, what do we do now? Right? We're so lagging behind the Dodgers. They are like catching up with the Dodgers is like trying to get into that final room in Super Mario 64 when if you don't have enough stars, it's just an endless staircase. That's what it feels like trying to catch up to the Dodgers sometimes. And one of the things also that I want to mention about this series is I, for a couple reasons, I really, it stinks that these two teams got to face off against each other. And what I mean by that is two things. Number one, I actually genuinely like this Mets team. Um, I do not appreciate a couple things that happened last night. Obviously, with Showalter, I did not like that. I did not like Pete Alonso's random, like, elbow in the back of Jerickson profile, which is really painful and, like, really dangerous. I don't know if it was him just getting the ball in from the outfield and doing that, like, reactive sort of procedural, just let me go tag and didn't realize how close he was, so maybe he just went, oh, my bad. Maybe that's what it was. And then they also hit Trent Grisham in the shoulder, which has been ailing him a little bit this season throughout times, and Trent Grisham happens to be the one kicking your ass. So a lot of really bad showing from the Mets, not just on the baseball field, but with these sort of, you know, kind of sort of extemporaneous uh, 
non-baseball related issues. So I really didn't like that. But besides that, they've got Francisco Lindor, my favorite non-Padre, Puerto Rican power with him and Edwin Diaz, the trumpets. I love Scherzer, who we also whooped his butt. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, in this series, gotta love DeGrom. Even Pete Alonso is really fun before this attack of jerks and Profar. Like, it's a fun team. Starling Marte, you know what his middle name is? Javier. Yes, seriously, go look it up. So there's a lot of stuff to like about this Mets team from a personality perspective. And also, more importantly, something that I talk about in this podcast a lot, which is just the these teams that try. In an age of baseball that's filled with all of these teams that are content with just being semi-competitive, your Brewers, your Rays, your Guardians to an extent, right? Even sometimes the Minnesota Twins or the Oakland A's, right? All these teams, the, 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 the Brewers I already mentioned, even the Cardinals a tiny bit, right? Like all these teams that just don't spend money, right? Even though they probably could be great. And it stinks that the Padres and Mets are probably the epitome of teams that said, nah, screw that, we're going to go for it. With Steve Cohen going out and saying, we're paying Lindor, we're paying Max Scherzer, we're paying Marte, we're paying Eduardo Escobar, we're paying Mark Canna, we're trading for Chris Bassett. Like, all of these moves, you got to respect that. And then the Padres, obviously, we don't need to talk about how many moves they've made and how much money they've spent on not just Manny and Tatis, but like, you know, Musgrove and, and Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish, all these guys, big time um, talents and big market talents that they decide to go after, even though they are just a team that is not really known for a rich history. You know, they hadn't really outside of 2020 made the playoffs since 2006. That team wasn't the best anyway, either. Their best team was probably like 98 or 84, you know, like just not the best history in the world. And here they come and they're like, we're going to have a great, uh, fan attendance, which they do. It's one of the best in the league and we're going to keep spending and we don't care. Because this franchise has been through a lot. San Diego sports fans have been through a lot. They can't even get W's from the San Diego Aztecs football team. Or, not football team, basketball team. And on top of the Padres, the, their other team, the Chargers, left them. Right? So it's it's very, it's tough for San Diego fans. But all that is to say to bring it back is it kind of stinks that these two teams were facing each other. And that has nothing to do with matchups or whether or not I think the Cardinals would have been a better matchup for the Padres, whatever. It's just that I genuinely think that those these teams, for those reasons, are really great and people should be rooting for them. But we got to keep it going, ladies and gentlemen. We got to keep it going um, because the Padres still whooped their butts and it was awesome. And, you know, let's talk about Grisham for a little bit. Trent Grisham is a player that you are allowed to still think, I don't think he's good. Totally cool. Because I still think that. I still don't think Trent Grisham is good. Um, I think that he is a fine defender, not fine defender. I think he's a great defender. Um, his outs above average was at nine this year. Great stuff. He has really good speed on the ball. That happened in last night's game when he showcased what should have been a double and maybe even a triple. Um, gets that ball. He's got some decent pop in the bat. But bottom line is he's hitting below 200. He hits a lot of slow rollers. He stares at a lot of strike threes, which I don't like. I don't think he's that good. Not terrible, certainly. Not a terrible player because of the defense, but all year he's been really disappointing for the most part, you know? Mm. <sighs> Sorry. So much smoking on the Mets pack that got to take a sip of water every now and then. I had been a big proponent of saying, why isn't Jose Azokar starting? Who I think, with his outs above average mark, which is about six, I think he could be great. I think he's fast too. I think that we haven't seen enough from Azokar that he could be great. But when I was hating on Trent Grisham... 
I did not hate on him for reasons that I hated on Eric Hosmer. This is not a guy who's getting paid handsomely, right? And he's also nearly not complaining as much as Eric Hosmer did. Or at least throwing these little fits where if people dare to mention how he's not playing well or dare to mention that he's on the trade block, they sneak snaps at people. Grisham has gone through a lot this year. And I think that Grisham, I think that Josh Bell, who hits a big home run off of Max Scherzer in the first game, didn't mention a lot about him. With him, with Austin Nola getting a big RBI in last night's game, I think that is the epitome of why playoff baseball is just a hard reset and you just cannot, you don't know what's going to happen. You just don't. If I told you that overall the best player arguably in the first round of this year's MLB playoffs was Trent Grisham, seriously, with the defense, with two home runs, with getting on base, with hitting some singles, all that, no way. Right, like, there's, there's no, no, there's no way. There's no way. Like it's probably him and Jose Ramirez and maybe, who's the guy for the Mariners that did well for them? Eugenio Suarez, Carlos Santana. I don't know who did well for them, but you get my point, right? So, to me, that's kind of the the curse and the blessing of the playoffs is it's just a hard reset. But again, I think you're allowed to just say, hey, maybe maybe Grisham's just going gonna go on a run in this year's playoffs. Maybe he's this year's Jorge Soler. And there's a positive and negative to that. Positive of that is, that's awesome. That means the Padres will win the World Series. It'd be great, right? But the negative to that is, don't use, and you don't have to, and I don't think many people are going to, you don't have to start saying, see, this is why Grisham's great. And they need to keep him. He's big time and all that stuff. Because that's dangerous. Jorge Soler was not very effective for the Marlins this year. You can go back and say, uh, who's another great example? Um, Pablo Sandoval player that Padres fans might be familiar with for his time in San Francisco has a great unbelievable playoff run and partially because of that gets paid by the Red Sox and then he stinks you shouldn't use the playoffs unless it is a really large sample size for example a certain pitcher for the Dodgers Clayton Kershaw when he's been to the playoffs as many times as he is it starts to become a thing where you're like yeah he really has blown up a lot in the playoffs it's a large enough um, sample size of data right where we're like, that's actually something worth pointing out. If you've had two appearances in the playoffs, right, where you were a little bit shaky, that doesn't mean you're a choker, and it doesn't mean you're a worse pitcher. It just means this is sometimes how the cookie crumbles, right? But in the case of Trent Grisham, I'm not fully confident about him, but as his fourth outfielder, and certainly in this series, Bob Melvin, you got to trust the guy. He knew what he was doing. He hit the home runs. He's played well. Hopefully he can keep it going against the Dodgers. I don't have confidence in that. But even if he doesn't, so, so happy for the guy. I love it. I love when players like this contribute big time. It's always so much fun. There seems to be one of them every playoffs, every year, that breaks out for a team when they need that. Because, you know, Manny Machado in Game 2 struggled. Uh, He had two situations in which they had runners on base, and the Pirates ended up losing that game. He doesn't drive them in. But it's okay. Because you had your Grishams and you had your Bells and all these other guys that were willing to contribute and willing to step up to the plate, and you just love to see it. Should also mention a couple other pitching things. Um, you Darvish and Blake Snell. Want to talk about those jokers for a second? First of all, we love Blake Snell here. Second half, basically untouchable when it comes to strikeout stuff. Some of the best in the league. He was awesome in his game against the Mets. Only three and a third, and he walks six. Right, The one game that the Padres lost, obviously, Saturday's game. And I was at Comic-Con, by the way, which was really fun. Uh, not during the game entirely. I was on the train ride watching on my phone uh, as, as I got back. But 
you know, in that game, six walks versus five Ks. The Mets have a lineup, and this could become an issue against the Dodgers or any team, is that Blake Snell, lefty. Mets struggle hitting against lefties. But also, Blake Snell has some control issues and is very inefficient. With a lineup like the Mets, that isn't one that's just home run or bust, because you got guys like Nimmo and McNeil and even Lindor and Alonzo, right? And and Marcana, right? Like, on-base type of specialists. When you have that, that makes you a little bit nervous, and I think that showed you the downside of a Blake Snell performance, even if the Mets struggle against lefties because he walks people so much, right? But even with that, let's talk about Yu Darvish really quickly. In Friday's game, which he was absolutely scintillating, in which the Padres won 7-1, where we got those RBIs from Grisham, which were really great. It started off awesome, too, but before we get to that, Darvish, seven innings, one earned run on six hits. He was awesome. Darvish potentially was something to prove, just like Blake Snell. Snell's going to be going up against the Dodgers. Played in the World Series a couple of years ago in 2020. He was lights out against them. That infamous Game 5, right? Or Game 6. Right? So he's going to want to have something to prove. And same thing with you, Darvish, who's had some playoff struggles, especially for when he played for the Dodgers. Right? In that infamous Game 7 World Series against the Astros, which is viewed differently now for obvious reasons. He's going to want to go out there and be awesome because he wants to kind of redeem himself. And I've never really liked how much Dodgers fans kind of dog him a little bit. I have seen this. I don't think I'm making this up and just extrapolating from like a small minority. It really looks like the Dodgers fans love mocking you, Darvish and bringing up how much he messed it up for them. And my thing is like, y'all really going to choose one player to make fun of? What the heck? Y'all have blown, like, 15 playoff series. Like, how is it just the one year of Darvish that is killing you, right? But that's just me. So I think these guys have a lot, right? They have a lot to, to, to you know, um, a lot to prove. So I'm really looking forward to this Dodgers series. It's going to be a blast. But also worth noting, the 7-1 score on Friday's game, which the Padres won. Max Scherzer, look, again, this is why the games have to be played. For the longest time, I the hey my World Series pick before the year was Mets Astros, that was my pick, and I stuck by it because I don't like doing this thing where I just go bold predictions and then I back off it after like two weeks and I'm like actually it's the Braves. It's like well, no, like you have to go for before the season. Anybody can change their prediction when we're like four months into the season and it's obvious who the favorite is, right? Like come on, that's that's just no fun. But um, you know. This is why you play the games, because Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom were, in theory, the most dynamite, fantastic, one-two, magoo, can't-hit-them combination for the playoffs. They went and got Max Scherzer for this very reason, so they could have him and then deGrom the next day. And I bought into it. That's part of why I thought the the Mets would be in the World Series. Well, uh, Scherzer was pretty bad. He gives up seven earned runs. A bunch of home runs, too, by the way. Grisham homer in this game. Josh Bell in the top of the first inning. Absolutely yeeted one. Jerkson Profar hits a three-run home run. And then Manny Machado hits a home run, too. It's just... It was it was genuinely shocking. I did not expect that that would be how the Padres would win. Is hitting multiple home runs off of Max Scherzer. You could have told me that they even hit him a little bit. That he went six innings and gave up five or something like that, right? But I would not have expected it to be like this. I would have expected to be like some pitches get away from him. Maybe he walks some guys, some singles get through the infield or something like that, right? No, instead it's home run palooza. And again, that's why the playoffs are nuts. 
So the future of the Mets, I'd be wondering for them. You're like, oh man, Scherzer's getting a little bit older maybe? We'll have to see. But bottom line is this. The Padres all year, it'd been a roller coaster. And it's also fair to ask, you know, I wonder how Fernando Tatis Jr. is feeling right now. You know, I imagine he's not feeling great, but he's cheering for his guys, hopefully. But he must be saying, damn, I wish I was with them. I wish we were going to L.A. together, but we'll see. Uh, but it's because of Tatis's absence. It's because of the collapse in 2021 that this feels so much sweeter. You know, because last year really was rough. It was not like this Mets alleged collapse. This was actually, like, really bad for the Padres. And even players like Bell and players like even Soto to a small degree who had those RBIs before. Um, you know, it's it's really... Uh, it was, it's been an unfortunate roller coaster ride where you're like, oh my God, are they going to mess up again? Josh Hader, oh my God, are they going to mess up again? And that's kind of what it's been like following this team. Um, and the fans, I have adored being on Padres Twitter lately. It is so much fun. The whole thirst trap (laughs) phenomenon there's a thirst trap thesaurus on on <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. There's a thirst trap encyclopedia practically on Padres Twitter right now, and it is hilarious. Just all the things I changed my picture on the Lockdown Padres account to a picture of Joe Musgrove. Look, it's it's awesome, and I've really enjoyed it. With this next series, I don't know what's going to happen. Hoping for the best, even against the uh, Dodgers team that has kicked the Padres butts all year. But because of that stuff about Darvish and Snell that I mentioned, I mean, they have a chance. Why not? You know? Um, why not? Uh, but it's just awesome. This is such a reminder of why you play the games. And I'm so happy for Trent Grisham and and all these guys who have battled, man. Every time it looked like this year that the Padres are going to do what they did last year, whether it's this series, whether it is when they had that stretch, if you remember, after they got Soto, Drury, and, and Bell and all those guys, that they had that four-game stretch where they didn't score, like, any runs. And everyone's like, oh, there it is. It's happening right now. Every time that's happened for this team, they've turned it around. And in my opinion, those are things that can't be emphasized by stats. I can't give you a Sierra rating for why that happens. I think that this is just a really tight-knit group. I think you got to give credit to coaches. Ruben Niebla, obviously Bob Melvin, you got to give him credit. And you got to give the team credit for holding together ever since the Tatis suspension. That's an MVP player. No offense, but that isn't just a good player. That's an MVP player. It's like an F war of seven. It's a big deal to have that in your lineup. But they said, we don't care. New York, go to bed. The city that will sleep tonight. You know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, not my best uh, little diss in the world. But guys, um, what a blast. I mean, what a blast. <sighs> I mean, just, oh, it was glorious. It was glorious. Absolutely glorious. Um, anyone who says Joe Musgrove is cheating is is getting sent to the shadow realm. That's all I have to say. It's great stuff. In terms of the future of this show, guys, probably going to attempt to do a crossover with my buddy Jeff Snyder of Locked On Dodgers to preview the next series, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of these second round series in the playoffs should be a lot of fun. I can't wait for that. Also, probably going to do a podcast talking about Manny Machado's MVP case, which the more I thought about it, at first I was like, yeah, it's Goldie. Then I broke it down a little bit. I was like, uh, I could still say Goldie, but, you know, it certainly isn't this wide chasm that 
a lot of baseball people tend to do, right? It's it's similar to the Otani versus Judge thing, where I personally think it's Aaron Judge in the American League, but I do not met, I do not get along with the people who are like it's obviously Aaron Judge. It's like, well, actually, it's I think it's a little close. Like, can we make this interesting, guys? Come on. Um, gonna be talking about that. Whatever happens, right? Gonna be recapping each game because it's a series during the week, so probably gonna try and do that. But either way, guys, feel free to send me questions as well this week if you want mailbag questions and send in stuff about is this the best Padres playoff victory ever in 20, 50 years, whatever. Whatever you want to ask, whether you want to ask how my Comic-Con journey was, you know, which which straw hat pirate is a Padre, whatever. Whatever you want to ask me, feel free to DM me on Twitter and what have you. A lot of fun this week for sure planned. Hopefully, we can go and get those dastardly Dodgers. Of course, hit me up on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. And that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, guys. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the YouTube. Let's get it popping. Man! Ah! It was so good. It was so good, guys. It was so good. And I'm glad you're along. Um with me i'm glad that i'm on this journey with you guys three years now covering this team and i i I adore it i really do i adore it that's the only way to say it i'll gush about the team even more probably on tomorrow's show but for now everybody stay safe and of course stay faithful my fire faithful homies take care